championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello and welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell. You guys are listening to the Hornscast channel, the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Today, boy, what is there not to go over today? There's just a lot going on behind the scenes in Texas after the Longhorns fall to Iowa State. And for anybody who's listening to us right now, kudos to you. You have a strong stomach. But we're going to go over the Iowa State game and talk about how the decisions in-game are indicative of Tom Herman's time here at Texas. Then go over what happens now. There is opt-outs with Sam Cosby and Caden Stearns and probably some more coming down the line. Who is next and who is actually ready for the NFL? Then get into everybody's favorite subject this week, Urban Meyer or Bust. Texas seems to be flirting with Urban Meyer. So what happens if and if they do not get Urban Meyer? Darius, my man, you ready to get into this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, you know. Hope everybody stayed safe while doing it. You know, I hope your 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 Thanksgiving menu wasn't impacted too much by the, the lower capacity, you know, seating and everything at, at everybody's table. But uh, no, glad to be here, Will. I hope you didn't let that ruin your Thanksgiving, man. Damn near came close. Damn near oh. came close. Nah. That was a rough. That was rough, man. I mean, out being there, and here's the thing: there are some Texas fans out there who will root against Texas. They wanted Tom Herman to leave. Here's the thing about college football: it is one sport where you should never root for your team to lose. Never. There's not ever really good reason to root for your team to lose. This isn't like the NFL. This isn't like NBA. This isn't even like NCAA at basketball. If you lose, nothing good comes from it. Nothing ever good comes from it. Recruiting-wise, coaching-wise, whatever. As a guy who likes to follow this team very closely, I'm still rooting for Texas to win against Iowa State. Them losing hurts. It's never fun to watch your team lose. Anybody who is happy about Texas losing to Iowa State, even though it might mean the end of the Tom Herman era, It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't to me. Yeah, it might bring in Urban Meyer, but if you don't get Urban Meyer, it hurts even beyond that. So you're rooting for your team for what may happen. May happen. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Darius? Uh, For those of y'all wondering, that was not me and Will talking before the show with people rooting for Texas to lose. That's not where he got that idea from. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) no, no. uh, no, I mean, I don't, of course. How do you, I, I don't, I'll never understand. No, I take that back. I take that back. I root for the Cowboys to lose every Sunday right now this season, Will, because I want the highest draft pick possible. Right, so but I that's the NFL. That doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, doesn't yeah. work in college football. It doesn't. But, 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 no, no, because look, 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 just, here's my point of view on this. So I, I, I want them to lose so they can get the highest draft pick right possible, Will, right? Because they're not drafting quarterback. I want them to be able to flip that pick and get some capital for it. Oh, I'm not, you're, but you're talking about NFL Cowboys. Right, but no, no, no. Listen, listen, let me. So the Texas fan. In their case, they want Texas to lose so that they can get the highest possible prize in their mind, which is which is Urban Meyer. And Texas probably controls that one. Oh, no, they don't control that. It's up to one. Does he want the job? But they're rooting for failure in hopes of there being a stronger 
revival, if that makes sense. So I understand the line of thinking. Now, that's not the the route I took as a quote-unquote fan. I don't even know if I am a fan. I, I mean, I, I follow Texas. I want them to win. I wouldn't call myself a fan. But, no, you don't root for them. Every, every single week I turn the TV on hoping that they're going to win a football game. But at the same time, I would be lying if I said my expectations over the past near decade haven't changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. Yeah, expectations were low for this team and who we could blame them after. No, they were, I mean, you mean, you mean now at this point they're low or you mean they were high as hell before the season started? No, no, I'm talking about before the Iowa State game. Okay, okay. Just before the Iowa State game, yeah, they were low. Okay. But one thing that I do want to take away from this game is Sam Ellinger's play in this game. And Darius and I, before the show, we talked about this and we just disagree on how Sam Ellinger performed in this game. I was pleasantly surprised with Sam Ellinger. A lot of fans, I think, look at a few plays that Sam Ellinger missed on, specifically a deep ball or two that was overthrown and the very last play where he took a sack. Beyond those plays, Sam Ellinger had 360-plus total yards on offense, no turnovers against an Iowa State team that has first 11 turnovers in the last four games, the most in the Big 12 and one of the best teams enforcing turnovers in the nation I had two touchdowns. He was back to what he was before the injury. You could tell it was not so much Sam regressing over this year as much as it was him being hampered by an injury. Yes, he hasn't been as accurate as last year, but still, I think he was a better player than he showed the last few games. Talking about that, what you were just saying, yes, you you thought he was more accurate last year. I don't think he was more accurate last year. I think, one, he was making shorter passes. You know, Devin Duvernay caught 200 damn balls Mm -hmm. last year. He's throwing a lot of bubbles. And he had guys like Colin Johnson, you know, making some spectacular catches. As far as you saying, okay, he had a, he had a great game except for a few throws. And, and I'm with you. I I mean, Sam played a fine game. He was Um, darts, man. He was throwing darts in the first three quarters. No, he he was fine. He was fine. But what my point is, and I think what other people are, what's, what's what bothers them with his play is, especially at that quarterback position. Yeah, it's year four. He's a senior, blah, 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 all of that. But, Will, the, the difference between your championship teams at the college level, your difference between your first round draft picks at the quarterback position, it is those one or two or three throws that he misses every single game. And my deal in this game, and even and it, and it dates back not just with this game, but this season and last season and before that, Texas has played in a crap ton of one-score games, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Correct. And if Sam Ellinger in all of those one-score games, and there have been games where he has brought Texas back, I recognize that. I don't question the man's heart. I don't question the man's leadership ability. I don't question that he is a Tim Tebow-esque type of figure as far as his play style and you know, in the way that he at times can seem to rally his teammates with his style of play. But those one, two, three passes that he misses every single game, that's the difference between those guys that are that top quarterback, that Justin Fields, that Trevor Lawrence, that are that national champion. See, All right? Those those two and three passes every game that he misses, if he were to hit one of those against Iowa State, Tom Herbert's not in the position to piss the game away. If he hits one of those against TCU, they win the game. Dating back to last year. And you, you can go on and give different examples. But there have been, and again, I recognize everything that he has done and some of the great things he's done that other people probably couldn't have done. Right? But yeah. at the same time, there are situations where Sam has put this team in situations that another quarterback would not have put them in 
due to his inaccuracy and especially reared his ugly head at the end of that game when he missed Jake Smith on the slant and go. It's just those throws, those throws. The freshman at Oklahoma makes that throw. At some point, I'm a Sam Ellinger. I've got all the respect in the world for Sam Ellinger, but myself as somebody that covers the Longhorns, that roots for them, I understand an individual that says that they're ready to see the next era behind quarterback or under center at Texas, and I understand that. And that's not meant to be a knock on Sam. No, and, you know, I really do think Sam Ellinger is a better player if he has better players around him or at least better coaching around him. Absolutely, but I don't mean to cut you off either. Do you feel like he has elevated the talent around him? I understand where you're coming from, but I still think that if you have the team that Florida did in 2008, that Mm -hmm. you can basically supplant Tim Tebow with Sam Ellinger and actually be a better team. I think he was a better thrower than Tim Tebow was. I don't think that's crazy. I think I do do know a, a game where he make the players around him better. This year, Texas Tech. Okay. Yeah. He's a guy who, through his leadership and through his heart, is able to elevate people's games. Uh, is he going to make you look crazy good by throwing a dime down the field? Maybe every so often, but it's more so he's going to lead your team back. That's the type of player he is. It's not He's not going to make you look better by dazzling you with throws. He's going to make you look better by knocking the hell out of somebody and rallying the troops. To another point, though. Let's get away from Sam Ellinger because I want to let Darius get destroyed by fans who disagree with him uh, so that I can get destroyed by fans who disagree with me. Bring it. Bring it. (laughs) Game decisions and plays that affect the outcome of this game. It's the key moments that have been big head scratchers during Tom Herman's era. And just like you're talking about with Sam, how sometimes he can't hit those one or two or three big plays, that's been the thing with Tom Herman over his time with Texas. It's the reason why I say Tom Herman isn't a bad coach, but he isn't an elite one, and he isn't right now a great one. He's a guy who... What? Say that again. He's not a great or elite coach. Before that, what did you say Tom Herman's not not a a bad coach. He's not a bad coach. He isn't. He isn't. A bad coach is Charlie Strong, who loses to Kansas. Tom Herman has never gotten blown out at Texas. The The biggest loss he's had is his first year against TCU. Now, Tom Herman got a taste of Carter Stanley last year. He got a taste of Carter Stanley at Kansas last year. He Go got ahead. yes. He <laughs> plays down. He definitely plays down to to competition, but he never gets blown out. Tell me a game in Texas where he's gotten blown out. Is that the bar at Texas? No, Don't but it's blown. it's it's not. He's not a bad coach. He's not a great coach. He's a middle tier coach, and he's a guy who needed to learn as a head coach. He had two years before he came to Texas. I talked about this as soon as they hired him. He's a guy who Texas fans were going to have to let learn on the job, and Texas fans just don't have that type of patience. They really don't. I think he could be a great head coach in the future, but we'll talk about this later in the show. I think he's burned too many bridges, and he's, he's run out of time here. I don't disagree with any of that. But one of the big things that great head coaches, great elite head coaches, is game management, especially in key moments. And that's what Tom Herman has lacked at his time at Texas. It seems like every game that he loses, and he's lost, he's at 22 games, and he's 12 and 10 in those. In one, 22 one scored games, he's 12 and, two, 12 and 10 in them. So in every one of those 10 games, you can look at it and say, there's a few key plays here 
where Tom Herman made the wrong decision or he put out the wrong personnel. You can do that in this game too. And good, great, elite coaches making the correct call during these key decisions are what keeps them out of so many one-possession games. The fact that Tom Herman and his staff have not been able to put out the correct personnel or make the correct calls or make the correct decisions in these key moments are the reason that they have 22 one-possession games, and I believe they are 12-10 and in those one-possession games. If you make the correct calls at these key times, you're turning a lot of those one-possession wins into two- or three-possession wins, and a lot of those one-possession losses into one-possession wins. That is the difference here. The decision-making at key times, and also I guess it goes back to getting the correct execution come game time. And that's why I say Tom Herman is a middle-tier coach and not a great coach, but he's also not a bad coach. He gets you to the position where you can get to those one-possession games but it is right there that he just cannot get off the hump for some reason. Maybe given more time, he would learn. But at the moment, he can just get you right there. That's what separates a middle-tier coach from an elite coach. Or even a good coach. Being able to make those decisions. And make sure you don't oversteer between conservative and aggressive in those moments. Yeah, it just it comes down, yeah, like you said, decision-making as a coaching staff. I think sometimes in a way we see that lack of direction at times or lack of being able to make the right decision in crunch time. I think we see that play out on the field sometimes in the players as well with mental mistakes and things like that. I mean, just not even late game, but like, for example, for B. John Robinson to, to touch the ball, Will, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he touched the ball like nine out of the first ten plays of the game, right? And mm-hmm. then he didn't touch the ball again the entire second quarter. Like that's a that's a that's 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 poor decision making in my opinion. Are you talking about against West Virginia? No, I'm or talking Iowa about State. Uh, Iowa State. He the first ten plays of the game, this dude touched the ball nine nine out of those ten and looked great doing it. Yeah, going back to the game decisions, three of them were big plays in the turnovers on downs. You have the fake punt that was in the middle of the field, going for it on fourth and one on, what was it, the 13-yard line instead of kicking the field goal to get yourself up by seven. And then Sam's sack and missed field goal is technically a three and out, but there were some decisions along the way there that were questionable. On the fourth and one, I mentioned this on the board um, in the post-game thread. I mean, how many times? This is year four. This is Tom Herman's fourth year, and I've been watching Tom Herman's offense all four years, doesn't really matter who the coordinator is. I watched it during um, the one year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. On fourth and short, when you're in the shotgun, you're already five yards behind the line of scrimmage, all right? In fourth and, and short, in obvious situations like that, defenses throughout history, okay, they always pinch the A gaps. They pinch the B gaps. Those linebackers are hitting the C gaps. You know they're submarine. They're playing for the quarterback sneak, the inside run. They're trying to bunch that up, jumble that up, mess that up as much as they can. So in a fourth and short situation where you have plenty of timeouts at your disposal, you have plenty of time, even if you want to stop and think it over or bring out a look that's, that you think will throw the defense off. Or just, you know, all you needed was inches. It was fourth and inches, I believe. Okay? And Texas decides they, they get in a rush, they hurry up and line up in shotgun. With Sam Ellinger five yards deep, the running back is lined up next to Sam, so he's not a lead blocker of any sort. And then the tight end is lined up off the ball 
okay, a yard and not with his hand down. You're putting your players at a disadvantage when everybody, both in the in the stadium and watching the game, knows you're about to run the quarterback. You're having to make six yards when it's fourth and inches. You're putting them in a situation where they cannot be successful, and that is where you're not doing your job as a coach. Yeah. It has nothing to do with recruiting or anything like that, and it doesn't matter who the damn coordinator is. That's just common sense. I, I, you can't convince me that all three – or Tim Beck and what's different brains in here have come in there, and nobody has said anything about that. Yeah, and then you can also look at that play from this vantage point. You kick the field goal, it's a chip shot for Dicker. He's going to make that field goal. And – that gives you a seven-point lead. And there are maybe two more possessions for each team in the game. That means for Texas to win that game, they have to go score for score with Iowa State. Neither of those teams was really putting it in in the end zone. Texas defense was shutting down Iowa State in the red zone, and Iowa State was doing the same thing to Texas. So even if you make that fourth and one, there's not a guarantee that you get the touchdown. And and you're forcing Iowa State to score twice for your one. At that point, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. I understand that Tom Herman sometimes was too conservative. But at, at that point, you just have to play the numbers. Statistically, it made sense to kick that football. It made sense. And they didn't. It was questions like that where a more savvy head coach, a more tenured head coach would probably understand what to do in that game-time situation. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Then you also look at the fake punt. And, you know, every head coach coach says this. It's, it's, the play was there. The players didn't make the right decisions, right? I feel like that's every head coach. Correct me if I'm wrong, Darius. That's a lot of them. If you're looking at that fake punt, that's kind of correct. What Dicker was supposed to do in that fake punt, and, and watching it from the stands, you could see there were two players out there on that fake punt that you know were had was the option for Dicker to throw. You had Cade Brewer taking the safety off to the right. That was where Dicker decided to throw it. The play probably was to use Cade Brewer or Rashawn Johnson, who was coming off the other side, to make that safety pick. And Dicker would look off that safety onto the one guy and then throw it the other way. But also, Dicker's your backup punter. He's never played. He's never run that play before, probably. And it's a live game decision. So at that point, sure, the play might have been there. But did you put the right personnel out there to execute on that play? Tom Herman, throughout the season has had plays where, yes, the play was there, but the personnel wasn't right. Or, you know, the play was there, or but the guy you chose to execute this play to or have on the field didn't make sense. We've been talking about it all year with Cade Brewer. And in that situation, again, Cade Brewer was the guy instead of Jared Wiley or something. And that's kind of been a general theme with Tom Herman is, yes, the plays are there, you don't have the personnel out there, and you're not helping them execute. Uh, and that's why I, I, you know, I've I've been sort of understanding what Tom Herman does. And at this until this point, I was like, yeah, you know, I get what he's doing. It, but it's sort of been like shock smart for a lot of fans, where the plays are there, the shots are open, but they're not falling. At some point, you have to look at the coach and be like, okay, 
is it on really on all on the players or is it on you, you know, setting these players up to execute on plays they can't? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Soccer Smart and Tom Herman really have much in common at all. And I I'm, I'll save that top conversation for another time. But um, I don't. Yeah, the, you said the guy's supposed to make a read. Well, he's a freaking kicker, dog. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm not too hard on the kicker. The kicker had two options. The kicker shouldn't have two options, okay? The kicker's got one option. You should have practiced a better play. As simple as that. The fake the fake was – I've got less of an issue with the fake than I do with the time management when they got the ball back those last two possessions. Right. Yeah. Right. So we talked about, yeah, um, they didn't get the first down or whatever. But still, they, they stopped Iowa State again. Iowa State punted to Texas with four minutes and what? 20 seconds. Four minutes and 20 seconds on the clock. 420 on the clock. And Texas ran less than a minute off the clock. They had one one run play and two passes, dog. Iowa State didn't have to burn any timeouts. You know, the other way you look at that is if you do run, run, pass, then you're looking at Tom and be like, oh, you turtled again. No, no, because you still forced them to use some of their timeouts. They did all the work for them. And, I mean, so, one, you ran. You picked up four yards on first down. So, it's second and six. You got two plays to get six. And you you take a deep shot on the next play on a uh, on the fake bubble where Sam missed Jake Smith on the slant and go. And then that you had the crossing route with um with Brendan Schooler and Josh Moore where there was a miscommunication between Ellinger and Moore. Morris, look, he's trying to stop. He's hesitant. He doesn't know what to do, what he wants to decide to do on the route. And Ellinger's already letting the ball go. It's just it's perfect. It's the perfect that was the that was the perfect ending. It was the perfect example. If somebody wanted to ask me what stands out in your mind as the perfect series for Tom Herman and Tom Herman football at Texas, it was these final two series of this game. Like you say with the fake kick though, with the fake with the fake punt. The plays were there. Mm-hmm. The plays were there. There's nothing wrong with the call, but why are the players not executing? What is it during the week? Okay, and everybody has that same weird, dumb look on their face too. Once it, once it happens, it's like, oh, what just you know, what just happened? Like why? And you hear it all the time. Players are a reflection of their coaches. Right. And going back to that personnel question again, looking at that last drive, the last quote unquote four and out. Darius, answer me this question: You have one minute and twenty seconds on the clock. You have two timeouts. You're down by three. Who on the Texas offense do you have on the field? Give me five guys. Okay. Um, a running back is one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. So give me B. John Robinson. Okay. Uh, give me with the way he was playing uh, Friday. Give me Brendan Eagles. Okay. Um, that's two. Give me Jake Smith. Okay. That's three. Give me Josh Moore. Okay. And I don't know if he was healthy. I haven't heard he was hurt or not. So, I mean, give me, give me Jordan Whittington on that last one. And I'm going to see what I can do, even on my check down. Sam's got the option to check down to Bijan anytime. Bijan catch the ball, get your butt out of bounds in the middle of the field. If I can get Jake Smith the ball, whether they take away the sidelines enough, if I can get Jake Smith the ball in the middle or Jordan Whittington the ball in the middle of the field, they're going to get me a first down. Brendan Eagles is my is my physical freak. And then Josh Moore is, 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 is slick. But, again, he hasn't been the same guy. Um, since the first, you know, two or three weeks of the season, but yeah, I wouldn't. So you got, no disrespect to Schooler, but he wouldn't have been out there, and neither would a guy like Roshan. Right, and I feel like that's the no-brainer five guys to pick, and maybe even have Jared Wiley in there. However, why were those five guys never on the field on that last drive? You never had those guys. Instead, you had Brennan Schooler, who, no offense to him. Not as good as Jordan Whittington or Jake Smith. You had Marcus Washington, who hadn't really played all year long due to being hampered by an ankle injury. You also have, like you said, Rashawn Johnson out there. 
and no offense to Rashawn Johnson, he's not your best wide receiver threat out of the backfield. That is B. John Robinson. He's a guy who can make a guy miss and get to the outside. Rashawn Johnson still did a great job out there, but he's not your best player in that situation. You had Cade Brewer lined up out wide. Cade Brewer is not your wide receiver threat. That is Jared Wiley. Why are you replacing a guy who could actually be, give you some production like Josh Moore or Jared Wiley or Jordan Whittington or Jake Smith out there with Cade Brewer when you need it most? Why are all those guys out on the field? It made no sense. The personnel was not out there to execute on these plays. And then the play calls were not out there to be executed on. On that last play, the one that everybody's remembering where Sam Ellinger takes a sack. Yes, partially that's on Sam Ellinger to run right into a a QB spy and take his eyes from downfield. But also, why are you running four verts in that situation? All they needed was maybe five yards to give Cameron Dicker an easier kick. You are not scoring a touchdown with 10 seconds left. And I'll say this as a caveat, and it's really not a caveat because it's still it's still a reflection of the coaching. But just in, from my experience, um, when you do call all verticals, receivers have rules where if you don't, if you're not even with that guy, is there no rules? You're even, you're leaving, right? But if you're not even with that guy by ten yards, you fall out. It converts into either a, a, um, a comeback route or a curl route. And in that instance, will they would have picked up 10, 11, 12 yards and, and got exactly what you asked for and more. But um, without seeing the last play, it's hard to say. But if guys kept running to the end zone, then that's just a that's just another indictment mm-hmm. on the folks on the folks teaching them. It's just a huge question mark on that last play. Yes, a lot of it was on Sam Ellinger, but a lot of it was on execution from other players around him and the coaching staff. It just created this whole whole issue. It really did, and it was a game that again winnable, but. Key decisions down the line and key moments from your head coach, he was not able to convert. Now, maybe he gets bet, you know, maybe if you stick it out with him for another four years, I know Longhorn fans are already like turning it off, but if, if you did, maybe he gets better over that time. Maybe he does, and he learns how to do that and how to control that. You learn by falling on your face, but I don't think Texas fans are ready to give him one, the benefit of the doubt. And two, I don't think the administration is ready to give him that time either. No, nah, Texas has been in a big enough drought now that, in my opinion, they, they should have no interest in any coach that still needs to learn on the job at this point. And is he really learning? Is another theme through the past four years, another game where Texas does not adjust mid-game. There's a reason they started off hot. They started off, you know, could have had 21 points and later fell apart. Texas was running three, four main plays with outside zone on top of that, which kind of threw off Iowa State at the beginning. You could tell one team was coming off a short week and one had 20 days of rest. Once Iowa State started to catch on to what Texas was doing, Texas was a sitting duck. When Iowa State started to bring up the linebackers and bring them in on stunts or walk guys up to the cover gaps, Texas could not deal with this and the predictable play calling uh, which was working very very early on started to get sniffed out and that's what led to but John Robinson going from killing it early on to 15 for 50 that's what ended the game really was Texas's inability to understand what Iowa State was doing 
and adjust to it. It's the reason why Tom Herman has been, what, one and, I don't even know what the number is, 10? One in 10 in games where he's trailing at halftime or tied at halftime? It's been that all throughout his career. I feel what you're saying about Herman. I don't agree with that's what cost him that game. I thought it was actually a pretty well-called game. I agree with you about the personnel. B. John Robinson should have been out there. Um, should be less caber or we, we complain about it every week. Again, Texas had opportunities. I'm not trying to stay on harping on Sam, but if, uh, you know, a completion here, that should have been there. Even on Cameron Dicker's kick at the end of the game, it had the distance. <laughs> it had the distance. It was, it Texas was three yards to the left tying that game. Yeah, they're just constantly a day late and a dollar short, which is better than the Charlie Strong era of, you know, getting your butt kicked. But. And that's why I don't think Tom Herman is a terrible coach. He's not a great coach. He's middle. He's right in the middle. He's not going to lose by a lot, but he's going to be incredibly inconsistent. And that's and not he, what you he, want. He's been what he's been at Houston. He, he's, yeah. he's shown up for some big games at Texas. He's lost plenty of conference games against folks he had no business losing to. I think he's been who he showed he was to this point, you know? But – Here's something I can give Tom Herman some credit. Chris Ash was a good hire. Yes. At least so far. I don't know how he will be once he loses all of his seniors, but so far, Chris Ash has been a very good hire. And that defense, I know everybody's complaining about this, what happened, the tight ends going down the middle. And that's on the safeties and the linebackers. But that defensive game looks a lot better if the t- offense puts up 43 points. It was a good defensive effort. It really was against a very, and again, I was, people were saying, oh, you're talking up Iowa State a lot. No, Iowa State's a good football team. They're a good defensive team, and the offense is also very, very good. I mean, Brees Hall is very good. You bottled him up, and he still got 91 yards. The defensive front came to play. The linebackers have been a lot better. Even the cornerbacks and the safeties were better. Now, safeties were not as good as they were, but the cornerbacks were great. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson was jammed at the line by Josh Thompson every single play. It was great. It was great to watch. Now, going forward, what were you going to say? You had something? No, I'm good. I'm good on Iowa State. It was in the past. I'm over it. Yeah, same here. So let's go ahead and move on to what happens now. And there's a lot happening. And we'll, we'll start off with what happens right now. Sam Cosme and Caden Stearns have already opted out of the rest of the season. Sam Cosme and who? Caden Stearns. What's Caden Stearns opting out for? Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to him, but Sam Cosme. <laughs> Is he okay? No, he's good. Caden Stearns? Yeah. I think he's pretty okay. He's pretty. Oh, he's, okay. He's, done, he's not hurt. He's nothing. You said he was opting out. Yeah, the season. To, to do what? Try his luck with the NFL. Okay. Well, well, I'll let you I, – I, Darius, I know you have something to say on this. I, I can see it in your face. I know. Let's start off with Sam Cosme, though. Let's start off with Sam Cosme. I'll let you get your thoughts collected a little more on Caden Stearns here. Sam Cosme, Darius, can you tell me the last time an offensive player was drafted in the first round for Texas? Who was the last player? The last first-round offensive player for Texas? Yes. <laughs> uh I'm, I'm not trying to be a butthole here. Was it Vince Young? It was exactly. Oh. That's exactly who it was. <laughs> it was Vince Young in 2005. He was the last offensive player to be drafted from Texas in the first round. Damn. Sam Cosme is probably getting a first round grade. He's going to be going up against a lot of guys who 
could probably also be drafted first round, like Panay Sewell and uh, probably an Iowa offensive tackle. They always have one. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys out there who Sam Cosman kept going up against, but, you know, he has a chance. And if you get a first round grade, like what Connor Williams did, it doesn't matter where you are, especially at off the line where it's very easy to get hurt very fast. It makes sense. It really does make sense for Sam Cosme to opt out. And what does this Kansas State game mean for, you know, every, even Texas fans know that this Kansas State game kind of meaningless, kind of meaningless. Maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe for Sam Ellinger, it means something. It's his last game, but Sam Cosme is looking more towards the future of, Hey, what am I in this sport for? I'm in it for money. It makes sense. And I don't think any Texas fan is, you know, faulting him for, for leaving at this point. I am. You are? Why? I am because, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm the same guy. I transferred, right? But I transferred at the end of the season. I didn't I didn't quit on my team or my teammates in the middle of the season. I waited till after the spring. I transferred that summer. Sam Cosmos was, was a captain. It gets into the deeper infrastructure of Tom Herbert's program. It rubs me the wrong way, especially from, a, I mean, it's a non glamour position. It's an offensive lineman. All right, like you said, you know, you can get, I mean, anybody can get injured at any time. But to be a captain, and, I mean, it was pretty much the same day, if I'm not mistaken, of, of the game. Um, the announcement came out that he was opting out. You've got Kansas and Kansas State left, right, and then a bowl game. Nobody will fault him for not playing the bowl game. But you finished the regular season with your brothers and the folks you fought with. As a captain, as a leader of the team, elected by the team, as they say, you know, most of the time it's picked by coaches. But as a leader of the team, your representation of your teammates and the coaching staff of everyone, as soon as the opportunity to play for any type of prize went away, you packed up your stuff and started thinking about yourself, which, in my opinion, shows that, I mean, it's, it's been on your mind the whole time. So have you really been giving us everything? And I just, I think there's something to be said. That's just how I would feel. As a player. That's how I feel. He's not even my teammate. I don't, I don't know Sam Cousins, but that's, that's how I would feel. Like, yeah, I still, I, lo- I love you. You're my brother, we, we done grind it together. But you owe that to your teammates to finish the regular season, in my opinion. And then after that, we wish you all the best. We get it. That makes sense. Finishing the regular season makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the day is not even over. It's, it's all right, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. It tells me you had one foot out the door already anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the day and age we're playing in right now, especially in the COVID era where people are just dropping out whenever they want. And it's not just COVID. They've been doing this for a couple of years now. Well, it sucks. It sucks. But I, I understand guys not wanting to play in meaningless bowl games. I get that. You, you draw a line somewhere. You don't quit on your team. Mid-season. Yeah. No, you don't do that. I think Cosby's going to end up being a second-round pick. In my opinion, he didn't look like a first-round pick. He still – he looked – the athleticism, of course, is still there. He's bigger. But, Will, I don't think he's going to break the streak, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for offensive players. Yeah, unfortunate, but what can you say? Some would say Herb Hand doesn't deserve a first-round offensive lineman. That's true. <laughs> Caden Stearns. I really like Caden Stearns. I really do. He was one of the fa- my favorite guys to follow in recruiting. He's a smart guy, and he's a nice guy. I do not understand this move from Caden Stearns. I don't get it. Darius, I'm going to let you take the floor. So let me say first, I've never met Caden Stearns personally. I know his father. Um, I grew up competing against one of his brothers who was 
still one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen. I'm talking about a guy five foot nine that's windmilling <laughs> in the seventh, eighth grade. But my first introduction to Caden Stern, so rewinding, this has to be 2016, I believe, 2016, or it might be 2015. There's a young Caden Stern, Soto, so we played Cibolo three straight years. All right. The first time I saw him, Will, he wasn't, you know, the rankings, all that stuff hadn't happened yet for him. Wasn't super impressed. All right. Second time we see him. All right, he's a junior. Okay. We see him at state. He wanted no parts of tackling LaVisca Chenault at any point. He wanted no parts of tackling Sean Robinson. He wanted no parts of tackling any of our running backs. And the entire time I'm just, I'm looking at this guy and I'm me being a, a recruiting nerd, a draft nerd, just a, I, I love seeing guys at the beginning and trying to predict how, you know, and seeing all the different variables that go into somebody being successful and not being, you know, and, and not being as successful as we would expect. And Caden Stearns just never been a guy that struck me as someone that's really, that's a, a high level football player. I was happy for him when I saw, you know, all the excitement he got. I was happy for him when he committed to LSU and eventually flipped his commitment to Texas. I'm, you know, a big fan of him. And then, I think he was, in a way, he's just the victim of of hype and unjust expectations. I believe he had two interceptions in the bowl game as a uh, high school All American bowl. Mm-hmm. Hayden Stearns is a is a center fielder. He can play the ball in the air all day, even though he's not that fast. Okay, he can he can track a football. That's always been a great strength of his. He cannot cover ground to make plays in the run game. He cannot cover anybody one on one. After what was it? I believe it was his first career game. He got the interception. And then I believe he caught an interception against USC, and everybody lost their freaking minds. The wolf of <laughs> the wolf of DKR, Earl Thomas, all this stuff. And I'm just trying to let folks know that that's. I think I don't think these expectations are. I don't. I think you're setting yourself up to be a little bit disappointed. Will, would you agree with the statement that Caden Stearns has not lived up to expectations from his? From the beginning of his freshman year. From his freshman year? Yes, because I don't think the entire defensive back class from that class has really lived up to the expectations. We just talking about Caden Stern. Only one player from that class declaring for the draft. That's true. <laughs> Mid-season. That's true. <laughs> I am extremely, I have so much intrigue in his 40 time and what that will be. I expect him to get in, invited to the combine. But I just my, personally, and again, I don't know the kid, but I just feel like Caden Stearns has been one of the most overhyped and privileged players that I've seen in my time of watching Texas. And it just it frustrates me having been a player and understanding, you know, what dogs look like and having seen this team perform over the past decade. It just folks seem desperate to try to anoint somebody. And that's not his fault. But Caden Stearns is a victim of his own hype, in my opinion. And that's how you get led to decisions like the one that he's making today to just like Sam Cosme, who Cosme has a much, 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 much stronger case than Caden Stearns, in my opinion. And I could just be I might be completely wrong. Well, he might go in the first freaking round in the spring. And I would, hey, Caden, more power to him. I'm I'm a Caden Stearns, more power to him. I'm happy for him. But I just I, I don't I don't see it. And I never have. And again, what type of leadership is it? If I'm not mistaken, is this another captain? Okay, opting out in the middle of the freaking season. Mm-hmm. And what world are you living in to where you really seriously think you've done anything over the past two years to, to warrant even 
fixing your lips to talk about the NFL draft. You haven't taken care of business on campus. You talking about the NFL. But again, I wish the kid the best. I could be completely wrong. He might be the next 10-time Pro Bowler. I hope he is. I really hope he is. It'd be great. And he'll continue the streak of folks being a lot better at the next level than they've been on campus, which is part of Texas' problem. That's not all on Tom Herman about not getting these guys. It's been a history of this. Yeah. And but, you can look at the offensive line in general in terms of are, is it that these guys are bad or overrated when they get to Texas or – is it the coaching staff? And you can look at how Texas did against West Virginia and Iowa State. West Virginia, one of the best fronts in the Big 12, one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Iowa State, one of the best fronts, like the best front in the Big 12, uh, unless you're counting Texas. They looked really good. They took it to West Virginia, and they looked really good against Iowa State in the very front, in the very beginning of the game, until West v- Iowa State started making some adjustments to counter what Texas was doing. The offensive line could probably be very good. It is the fact that they're not put in a good position to execute or they're not being taught correctly what they need to do. And it's stuff like that. These past two games sort of point to, yeah, maybe some change needs to happen. Is it Herb Hand or is it Tom Herman? I think most Texas fans are done with Tom Herman and not don't even want to give him the chance of getting a new offensive line coach here. It's stuff like that. It is stuff like that. And it leads you to the next question though. Who's next? And let me let me go back to sticking with Cosme. I think Stern's gonna end up being a, a fit to possibly it's it's gonna depend on on his 40 time. Stearns can go anywhere because Brandon Jones went in what? Third, beginning of the third round? Mm-hmm. Caden's taller. People I mean if Caden runs in the four fives, will he'll he'll go in the first. Start looking for him late third round. If he runs yeah. in the four fives, if he runs like what I expect him to run in the four sevens, I think you'll see that six six seventh round. You'll see that happen. But I do think he'll get drafted. You say asking who's next as far as opting out? Yeah. Ah, that's no fun. That's not a fun game to play. But um, I guess I guess guys. So, obviously, the first name that comes to mind that I thought would have been the first one when you think about guys opting out, and I'm sure, you know, you're thinking the same thing, we would all agree, would be Joseph Osai. Right. And wouldn't that be something, Will, if, if Joseph Osai plays out the rest of this season? I don't, if, I'm a, if I'm an NFL evaluator, I'm an NFL talent scout, that tells me a hell of a lot about this dude. Right. And you watch him leave his body out. You just watch him leave. You watch him struggling to pick himself off, off the turf every game, and you haven't heard anything yet. If he plays out the rest of this season – some folks should be ashamed of themselves. Well, let's change the question here. Who do you think leaves for the 2021 draft? Joseph Osai, obviously. Yes. It's hard to say who's going to opt out at this point, but Joseph yes. Osai for sure. Yes. There has been rumblings that DeMarvin Overshown will leave. Yeah. Yes. Darius, do you think DeMarvin Overshown is ready? Um, do you think his, Do you think he has enough film out there that will convince people that he's a draftable linebacker in the first three to four rounds? I think Jamarvian Overshone has enough film from his three years on campus of flashing, people seeing him close on the football. Um, this year, of course, you absolutely would love to see another season. You know, I think with another season, he's got a chance, you know, add another 10 pounds or so. He's got a, with another year, he would have a chance to, you know, get himself into possibly some, some late first round talk. But, um, Will, again, I am a, I am a recruiting nerd, draft nerd. I love this type of stuff. I think he's got 
He's put more than enough. There, there are people that have put less on film than he has already. I think what's he got like sixty some tackles, seven tackles for loss. You know, so Marvin Overshaw has fifteen missed tackles in the first four games. Yeah, that happens. But I mean, you see his size, you see the athleticism, you see his ability to possibly be able to. He's going to stay on the field all three downs, and he can cover running backs, tight ends, and he's going to look real, real good in the combine. Real good. Yeah. Absolutely. And then did you see the play that he made on, on, on Kohler at the beginning of the game when he covered that out route? Yeah. Like like you see the potential. Damari Vision Overshone is absolutely a draftable prospect right now. If he were to declare, like I I would expect him to go before a guy like Stearns. I really would. Yeah, I, I mean I would too. I would too. I think if he were to stay another year, yeah, you would get him in the first round. He would be a first round player. He would be your Isaiah Simmons and special talent. I think if whoever the coach is going to the next year, you you say, all right, the guy you're modeling your game after is Isaiah Simmons. He could have left after his junior year, but he stayed another year. Look at what happened to him. It's true. So it's true. that's where you point for Overshone. You know, I'm usually not a fan of juniors leaving unless they are a first, second, or maybe even third round. If you are not mm-hmm. a first two days, early first two days, then I think you should go back as a junior. Otherwise, you look like Deshaun Elliott or Malik Jefferson, and Deshaun Elliott could have gotten himself a lot more money if he would have stayed another year. Yes, he's gotten he's had a long career, and maybe that extra year is something that helped him, but if he stays another year, you know, look at what, what happened to Charles Amenehu for Malik Jefferson and Deshaun Elliott. Look at what will happen to little Jordan Humphrey. You've seen way too many cases of these guys leaving too early, and then they fall off the draft board. Maybe Marvin Overshone isn't that case, but probably Caden Stearns is going to be that. And then, you know, you look at other guys who who may declare early. Maybe Brendan Eagles thinks after that game, oh, I can probably go. Or, you know, there's probably other guys on this team that will leave early. And I, Brendan Eagles is the only one that comes to mind who I could imagine being diva enough to do that. Um, another thing to take into account with Overshawn, though, I do know that he's from ARP, Texas. For those that don't know, that's out in East Texas out there by Tyler. But ARP, ARP has a population of, of damn near less than a thousand people. So it's, 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 I think it's safe to, I don't know, it's safe to imagine that, um, the Marvin Overshawn probably comes from some pretty humble beginnings and he sees an opportunity to make the type of money that, um, you know, that could be life changing for his family. Right. I mean, that's that's the case with a lot of these guys. Some. Like, Brennan Eagles is fine. Caden yeah. Stearns is fine. Like, all, every 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 player is not coming from some struggle story. Like, the media likes to have dominate the talk on, on NFL draft day. Now, I would like to say that. But I think those are the only guys who you could see leaving. And unless it is Joseph Osai and maybe Marvin Overshone, if a junior leaves for the draft, I don't think they should, personally. I don't think I can see another junior on this team right now who I would say, yeah, you could leave for the draft. You're draft ready. Is there anybody else on this team who you could say, who's not a senior, who you would say, yeah, I could see opting out here for your of your senior year to be the smart move? Um, the smart move? No. Could I see a guy with traits? I, I could see a guy like just based on just the, the just scarcity at the position, it's hard to find them. I could I could see a guy like Deshaun Jameson if he entertained the idea, especially with his punt return value as well. And he's a guy that, that that gets his hands on the ball. He takes the ball away. 
No, nobody else immediately. Um, I mean, if you want to flirt with Coburn, Keandre Coburn is huge and he's explosive, but I don't, I don't think he has enough tape. No, there's nobody immediately that jumps to mind. Right. So let's get to the big story, the very big story of this week, the one that everybody cares about. Urban Meyer, Darius. We will know whether or not Urban Meyer is the head coach at Texas or not by the end of the next 10 days. Mm. That's my... Are we, are, we, are we holding you to that? What do, we, what do you owe us if that doesn't happen? That's my hot take here. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I owe y'all. Push-ups, maybe? Push-ups? I don't know. So we're going to do a live show. I need you to... Yeah, we got to have you on the webcam. We're doing push-ups. Okay. And uh, then you got to do, do a push-up. You got to do 20, 50 push-ups for each day. Early or late that you are on it. If we find no, I said within the next 10 days. Okay, so if it's day 11, that's 50. Day 12, 100. Okay, oh, if it's fuck. day okay. 6, 7. If it's early, no, you owe us 2. You said 10. No, I said we will know in the next 10 days. Okay, fine. That's fair. Okay. Okay, I'm saving myself some... I'm saving my arms here. Right now, it's Urban Meyer or Bust for Texas. The list out there right now is just not special. It really isn't of guys who Texas could go after. You could go after Luke Fickle, who, you know, he has four years under his belt. He built the program at Cincinnati, but it's at a program that, given the resources they have, should beat the teams that they are beating. Now, you know, there's there's guys that are looking at uh, Harson, maybe there, or I've even seen Herm Edwards, or, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a long shot there, or... <laughs> Herm Edwards at Texas. Yeah, awesome. right? You know, there's there's Matt Campbell, but Matt Campbell is, again, another coach that's been inconsistent. No, he's beaten Oklahoma twice out of four years, but there's not a clear candidate outside of an Urban Meyer-type guy. Oh, you, Chris, Mario Cristobal, but he just lost to Oregon State. Uh, the other two guys you were looking at were P.J. Fleck and James Franklin. Pfft, not anymore. So it's not been a great year if you want a new coach, especially with the possibility of Michigan, USC, Penn State also looking for coaching staffs. Yeah. I, you think he would go back to the Big Ten, especially to Penn State Urban Meyer? Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about Urban Meyer. I'm just talking about um, if you don't get Urban Meyer – it's not a good year to go looking for a new head coach. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, in so that's why Texas is where it is right now with Urban Meyer. It is Urban Meyer or bust. And the numbers we've seen thrown around are twelve million a year over five years. So they're offering him sixty million dollars. That is a lot. That is a lot. But it's also what they offered Nick Saban. So, and in the past, Texas has had a history of doing two things, shortchanging coaches. What you saw that after DKR, uh, the guy who went to Ohio State, can't remember his name right now, but it's how you ended up with Dave McWilliams, I believe, and that was not great. And also, they've not really wanted to cross an ethical line. There's been an ethical line drawn in the sand where they've said, we're an academic institution, and... That's what we want to be. And, you know, that's great. It really is. It's, it makes you kind of proud to be a Texas fan. You know, they, they I'm not going to say that they don't get their hands muddy in a certain few situations. Every program in college football has gotten their hands dirty. Texas didn't win that national championship being squeaky clean. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Right. But at the same time, they haven't gotten as much dirt on their hands as some of the teams in the SEC. No. Like 
UGA and Auburn and Alabama to start off and Ole Miss, right? You've avoided that. And I guess also Oregon on the other side of the things. You haven't had the scandals, right, that you saw at Florida or Baylor or I guess right now at LSU and Ohio State too. You've avoided that by having by hiring guys who have this sort of integrity line, right? May I ask, all those schools you just mentioned, though, what has been the real consequences for any of that? No. Well, it hurts the student population, especially at Baylor and LSU. I mean, you never want to see that. You never want to see that. Does it really? I go to school every day, all these dang kids wearing Baylor stuff. No, I mean, it doesn't hurt their perception, but, you know, people's lives were affected there, dude. It seemed like they back up and running, man. Well, the institution didn't. It didn't hurt the institution. It didn't hurt the institution. They just had one coach come through there and go to the league, and they just got a a big time coordinator. You know what I'm saying? I just, I guess, with Texas, my my whole deal is, and Texas is not squeaky clean. Why decide? Oh, well, well, this is where I draw the line and, and try to turn my nose up. Like Texas had a great run in the '60s, good run in the '80s, and Texas has one national championship in the last 51 years. I mean, you, you ain't got to tell us that 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 winning football games is the number one priority. That's clear. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, how many how many conference championships take away the sixties? That whole we are Texas thing ain't it ain't as strong and sparkly as some people like to think it is. Sometimes the thing about Texas is they've drawn this line in the sand in the past on ethics. You know, in terms of under the table stuff with recruiting and in program stuff. I mean, that's the reason you've had. Charlie Strong and even Tom Herman. Tom Herman is not was not a guy who really crossed the line and you know had you fearing for the integrity of your program. After 10 years of mediocrity, not even mediocrity, being lost in the desert of embarrassments, of national embarrassments, the one of the worst decades in the program's history. Texas fans have sort of and Texas boosters and the administration have looked at this program and said, well, the administration said we cannot literally afford another decade of being lost in the desert. There's too much revenue coming from the Texas football program that supports other programs in the school. Texas fans have said they are tired of the mediocrity. They are ready to, as I put it, sell their soul for a good team. That's where Texas is at this point. Historically, they've been above it and held their ground on being a good academic institution, but now it seems to be changing. Texas football cannot endure another bad decade, which is why they're going after a guy in Urban Meyer who, yes, he has a lot of baggage. He has he has shown in the past two programs that he does not run a clean program, and I'm not talking about recruiting. But... Boy, oh boy, can this dude coach. You come to this position because you are desperate. You are desperate at this point as a Texas institution, as a fan base, and he offers you the best out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I was a rule breaker as a kid. What What's really the big punishment for saying, forget the NCAA, we're going to do what we want to do? Did, did LSU really get in trouble for Odell Beckham handing out hundreds on the 50-yard line? No. No, no. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care about quote unquote integrity of the program, all that crap. It's, 
I'd rather not have a Baylor-esque scandal. Uh, obviously not no Baylor type of scandal where folks are being, you know, obviously not nothing like that. But, I mean, how many – I don't see Art Browse coaching nowhere in college right now. And Urban Meyer doesn't have a, a – from Florida. I mean, hell, all that seemed to get swept under the rug and everything he did at Ohio State. So I'm not really worried about a whole trail of tears with him at Texas either. You, you hire Urban Meyer, that's you saying right then and there we're finally getting serious about football. And I, I, again, I don't know if I've told this story on air before. I, I was talking to you before the, before the show or whatever. But the year I was at Texas standing right there going through drills while Urban Meyer is on the field talking to Mac Brown. And Urban Meyer was at a lot of practices that year. Okay, he's, he's, he's very, very, very familiar <laughs> with Austin and the University of Texas. But I'm standing right there. Okay, I don't remember what the hell I was doing, but we weren't doing anything super active at the time. So I'm able to stand there and just I'm not even really trying to even be in our conversation. They're standing right there next to me. Okay, I'm standing right there as Urban Meyer looks, turns to Mac Brown and says, don't don't tell me. Don't tell me you're not. You're not standing kind of edging your ear into their conversation. Come on, man. It's Urban Meyer and Mac Brown. I don't know what the hell was going on, but I wasn't I wasn't in at the time. I didn't have to. I was able to chill for I had about. I had three or four minutes where I was out. So, yeah, I'm, he, sta- he, he stands there, looks and turns to Mac Brown, and I caught the tail end, but I heard very clearly, and I put this on everything I love, okay? You can lie detector me, whatever the hell y'all want to do, okay? He looks at him, he turns and says, but can you really win with all good guys? That's what I'm talking about, Will. Let's bring the thug. I need Roman. I need Roman Taylor back in this thing. I need Sergio Kendall with the grill. Okay. I need Aaron Harris. I need some folks in here. I need what's the crazy guy? I need Robert Killebrew back in this thing. Okay. I need some crazy folks in this program. I need some hitters. They need some swagger. Okay. Urban Meyer will bring that swagger back to Texas. Not all this. Oh, we're so our integrity. We're we're above every. Forget all that. One championship in fifty-one years, Will. I'm all about it, all forward. If Texas done land Urban Meyer this go round, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to be hurting because Texas fans done painted themselves into a hell of a corner here. That man can name his price. And if y'all don't want to meet it, who the heck you going to bring? The, who's who's going to do it? Who's going to replace me? Who's out there? I don't think they're not going to meet his price. This pandemic, the rich got really rich. So I think they're going to meet Urban Meyer's crazy, crazy demands. He'd be worth, it. He'd be worth every penny. He'll be worth every penny if they're serious about football. But it's going to be on Urban Meyer whether or not he wants to come back. They're going to make Urban Meyer say no to whatever crazy amount of money they're going to offer him. If they can't roll in, bring in Urban Meyer, then, like you said, Texas fans have painted themselves into a corner mm. with Tom Herman. Mm, mm, mm. I feel sorry for whoever the unfortunate, unlucky coach that if they don't, Hire Urban Meyer. That next guy has no chance, Will. He has no chance. Let me call him for his head after the first season. So think about think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's large part because it's not gonna be a splash hire. It's not gonna be an exciting hire. It's gonna be a hire that doesn't have that great of a honeymoon. And uh, the media is gonna say, look at the team he has right now. You know, you just lost your offensive line and your starting quarterback and whatever. But it might have been smarter to bring back Tom Herman for another year and waited for maybe a better coaching cycle. I know that's a very hot take, but it's a devil that you know versus a devil that you don't at this point. And again, as I said, this administration does not want to handle and cannot handle another 10 years 
of mediocrity. Nope. So what do you think would, would have hurt more, keeping Tom Herman for another year or picking up another guy <laughs> who busts? They would. They can't keep Tom Herman. Tom Herman is already they, no, not at this busted. Point. It's over. They have killed that. The fans have killed yeah. that. The Texas media has killed that. Tom Herman has killed that. You said what? You said what? No, I'm saying Tom. I'm saying that option is no longer here. No, they don't. They no longer have that option. No. It is now. A Tom Herman has worn out his welcome with too many factions in this program. Mm-hmm. He has worn it out with the boosters. He's worn it out with the administration. He's worn it out with recruits, and he's worn it out with fans. No, even if even if Urban Meyer is not coming, they can't keep him. It's, it has been poisoned. It has been ruined. It's over. You know, it could have been a smart choice to bring him back and wait another year. I know if there wasn't all the hullabaloo around the program and it didn't look like the sky was falling all the time, which is, again, on Tom Herman. That is on Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. Then it might have been the smart thing to bring him back and have his contract buyout be smaller Give yourself another year to evaluate a better coach and give yourself maybe even allow it for an early signing period, a guy to come in before the early signing period. But you now don't have that luxury. You're going to have to, if you don't get Urban Meyer, it's going to be seen as a bust because your best options Luke Fickle, Kyle Shanahan, Mario Cristobal. I mean, I don't even know uh, after that. You had Herm Edwards. Brian Harson, Chris Peterson, maybe. Uh, they all hey, are either. I, let me let me be let me let me state that I'm a publicly thumbs down of Brian Harson. Okay, he ain't a good person. So it's gonna be difficult for Texas to find another guy who is clearly clearly better than Tom Herman. That's the issue. It's not that I think Tom Herman is a good coach. I think he is a mediocre coach at this point but it's the fact that I don't know if there's anybody out there right now who is a clearly better option than him but the fact is is that you are beyond the idea of him coming back mm. again it is Urban Meyer or bust at this point gotta be on that note thank y'all for listening this has been fourth and five your Longhorn Nation podcast I'm your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Tell me how bad my hot takes are. I'd love to hear it. DT, my man, where can we find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at D-Terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L-0-5. I don't get too negative publicly on Twitter, but if y'all want to go, we can go. Sam Ellinger is back to freshman form. Sam Ellinger, don't forget I said it, 58% on the season. I'm just stating the facts. It's right here in front of me, 58%. Quarterback, senior. Well, you guys can find our writing and other stuff on texas.thefootballbrainiacs.com mm-hmm. or other podcasts mm-hmm. like this one on the Hornscast channel, which is on any podcasting platform out there. And about the Football Brainiacs, Will, it's not a OU site just because you don't like what you're hearing, okay? Sometimes the truth hurts, Texas fans, okay? Log in and get yourself some truth serum. Maybe it'll stop you from get building all these false expectations, like you put on Caden Stearns the last couple of years. Get the truth. Sign up, please. True or worse, could it be said, Darius? On that note, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hook em. Hook em. <laughs>